This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good morning, everyone. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Kavodaksanya. Thank you, Julie and Tiakov, for opening up your wonderful home. Anybody who's related to Marilyn Barron has got to be a tzaddikah, because your mother was the epitome of refinement and dignity. It was a pleasure to be their neighbors for seven years. Not only did they welcome us to the community, but Marilyn Barron was like a mother to my wife, giving us, opening up her resources to everything. And so, what goes around in life comes around. It's my little back. I'm able to donate a little back to you. you. So thank you so much. this has been in the works for a year, you should know. Just talk to my dear friend Cindy Scheinbein. We've been trying to get this meeting going. First of all, thank you, Cindy. Cindy, you made it happen. It's really because of you. I was very, very involved in helping Morty get married, Baruch Hashem, her son. And so we made a connection. Uh, and then Cindy and Rob and I became close friends. And I said, we've got to get to Toronto. I'm getting phone calls. I want to help. And, uh, you know... Everything at its right time is good. And thank you to Goldie Howard as well. Goldie, thank you so, so much. And to the entire Torah, I'm sorry, Toronto Shidduch Initiative for uh, advocating. You need to advocate today. Julie made a point about going back to New York to help in Shidduchim. But I must say that I also was worried that my first three were girls. And I, know, and I knew that I was a certain type of boy that I wanted. And I didn't think I was going to find that boy in Miami. So Baruch Hashem, I'm not here to tell you to make radical moves at all. I will tell you what I'm seeing on a daily basis from 1 p.m. to 2 in the morning, daily. It is, and it's a consume my life. It is either girls sitting in front of me, or it is either girls calling me from WhatsApp, video from L.A. or Toronto, Antwerp, London, Yerushalayim, and on and on. It is like Charles Dickens said, and when he opened his book, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Today we have an incredible, we're in an incredible era in terms of Yiddishkeit. We have more yeshivas than there ever were in the history of the world. We have more Torah being learned. And Shidduchim. But also, sadly, we have things that are happening that unfortunately break my heart. Just to think in the last four days, a girl calls me from Antwerp who dated a guy three times and divorced in 90 days. A girl who came to my office two months ago, Beis Yaakov posted child, who was married 30 days, because the boy was on the phone from the wedding and the night, from the night of the wedding with his mother for two and a half hours. Or another one that came to me from Beis Yaakov last week, whose husband came out of the closet as G-A-Y. So we have to be on the lookout. And what happens is, and I'm going to talk with you today, we need a GPS. We need a game plan. We need to know what we're doing. We need a strategy. We need a toolbox. I need to help. My job here is to help educate you and illuminate the road a little bit so that when you go on dates, you have your radars up. That's not to say that people are evil. Kal Yisrael has a chazakah that everyone is kosher. But however, why should you be a victim and have to suffer? It's a tragedy. I had a 26-year-old girl sitting in front of me from Lakewood, who's originally from Montreal, whose five sisters married one better than the next, and she fell into a horrible situation. And she's only being read divorced guys. I started working up her case, and automatically I went to regular guys. Why should she suffer? Because she made a mistake. But some of the situations that are out there today, and so hopefully we won't be casualties. 
So, taking from the premise of a car, when I get into a car and I get on the road, there are certain rules for how to have a safe journey. Let's go through them, and then I'll then dissect those five areas out and give you a toolbox. Uh, those who are writing, Hashakolach, today's classroom stuff. You're going to learn a lot. And those who don't, it'll be on tour anytime, probably in a day or two. I consider today a major presentation. So, you know, open your ears and your eyes. And by the way, anybody out there in this audience or anywhere in the world who needs me, I'm accessible. 305-206-1916. I was telling Julie, I still have my Florida number. I was Zoche to teach at the University of Miami for seven years and to have 10 to 15 people at my table every Friday night to do Kiruv work. Many of them went on to wonderful careers in marriage and I wasn't able to change my number when I came to New York to get the proverbial 917 area code because it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been fair to all the people that I was able to help and you know, lead along. So... And if you need me, that's where you can find me, or easy, drjackcohen18 at gmail.com. 305, and there are business cards over here, by the way. So if you need one, grab one later. 305-206-1916. So back to our analogy with a car. Number one, we need a map and we need a GPS. What's your destination? Do you have a strategy? Do you know who you are? And do you know what you need in order to make you happy? In order to be able to be happy, you have to sit down with someone who's a third party, preferably either a mentor, a Rav, a Rebetzin, and write down your top 10 list. Your top 10 list are the midos that I need in order to be a happy individual. That means if I'm a girl, I'm looking for a person I want to see has a Rebbe. That's important to me. A girl came to me from the five towns who was married three months, who said, you're probably going to tell me to get divorced. I married a boy who was a great boy, also from the five towns, who went to the mirror, who kept three hours sedarim. But after we got married, they went to two hours and a half, to two hours, to an hour and a half, to an hour, to a half hour. Today he learns ten minutes and he's davening at home. I said, does he have a Rebbe? She says, yes, in the five towns. I said, you don't need to get divorced. Go run and talk to him now. He could fix him up. And he did. And he saved the marriage. So, does he have a Rebbe? I can't tell you how often... Girls are sitting in front of me, and I ask that question, I think so. I'm not sure. Well, what happens if there's a problem in the marriage? Who's going to solve it? If he has no one to answer to, it could also be Nerti Sral. It could be Rabbi Elephant from the mirror. It could be Rabbi David from Brisk. I don't care where it is, but he has to have someone that he answers to. Someone you are as a couple, or his Rosh Kolel, or his Rosh Yeshiva, or his Mashpia, or his Mashkiach. There should be a Rebbe. So that's very important. You need a strategy. Before I forget, the three cardinal rules that I taught my daughters. That I didn't care if the guy didn't have a penny to his name. But I want to see three things. Kamsan, Kasan, and Kaptan. Does he have an anger issue? If he does, forget it. That's Gehenim. Kamsan, is he cheap? How does he treat you on a date? Is he generous? Generous not only with his money, is he generous with his time? Is he generous emotionally? And Kaptan. Makbid. Is it my way or the highway? Is he flexible? Does he have any, any flexibility to him? So for the girls, it's so important. Look out for these three things. Know how to ask the right questions so that you can delve and ensure that he doesn't have any of these problems. That comes down to communication. I'll touch on it a little bit later. I do a lot of communication training where I teach people what questions you need to ask in order to ensure that you're probing properly. 
And you need to learn conversational skills. I had a Syrian girl sitting in front of me who went out on 33 dates and couldn't tell me a thing about the guy. What did you do for four months? Well, weathered, what was going on on Broadway, every other bunch of nonsense. So when I sat down, I said, okay, I get you. I can figure people out in about five to ten minutes. Here's what you need. Here's your top ten list. Does he have any of this? He couldn't score on, he scored two out of ten. I said, you're out. Two days later, she's out of the relationship. You have to have a strategy. You have to have a GPS. You have to know where you're going. If you're not, you're in trouble. Just because he goes to a good yeshiva means nothing. Zero. When I was in Chaim Berlin, Rav Aaron Shechter took a guy down and literally tore him to pieces because he was an animal in the bedroom. Doesn't mean anything. So be careful. Lay out your long-term goals. Okay, keeps me up. So, I want to live in Israel. I need to know that as a dating mentor. Or I want to live in Lakewood. I have two girls living there. I want a learner. I want to go to work after three, four years. What is it that you want? Work that out. He has to be making a living. It's very important. Work out your long-term goals. Road signs. When we go on, we go on a trip, we need road signs. Which means you need guidance and direction along the life's journey. Make sure you have a Rav, a Rebetzin mentor that you can turn to for guidance, to ask questions. You're not in this alone. So ensure that you reach out for help. Not until it's too late. So that you don't have to be taken out. I've had students, I had a girl, who is one of my like right-hand cadets in terms of helping me, in terms of promoting what I work on. Her husband sat in bed for a year. The first Shana Rishona. Emotionally unstable. Took us two years to get her to get, but we got it. So you have to have someone. She didn't reach out to anyone. So I said to her, let's change her name, for example. Let's call her Zisi. Why'd you get married? Did you look into him? Well, everyone else in my class got married. I was 24 already. I was embarrassed. No barreling ahead? No research whatsoever? Well, it seemed okay. This happens often. So, and we're under pressure. It's hard as a, in, the sh- in the shidduch world to be a girl and to watch your friends get married. And uh, you sometimes, you know, you, you chip away at your rules and you bend the rules. And you have to be careful where you bend those rules. There are certain things in life that are non-negotiable. And that you have to speak out with your mentor. Motor oil. I'll hit on that today with a little inspiration. Determination is, is to succeed, to, is the key to success. Oil Motor oil is what keeps the engine running. You need to be determined. You need to focus on your goal. You can't give up. I had a 50-year-old woman come in front of me this week who called me up. She says, that's it. I had a dream. I'm finally ready to get married. I said, what? She says, yeah, all these years. I don't know. I couldn't commit. I was too smart for the men. Be on the lookout for that too. I'm mentoring a boy. I was last week in Princeton. There was a singles event by partners in Shidduchim, so I spoke Sunday morning. The boy's cousin was there from, also from Europe. Very put together, 33-year-old girl. I saw the problem right away. She was just scaring everyone away. Easy does it. It's okay to get a degree. But it's important, don't flout it in front of the guy. They're very fragile today, these guys. Very. Their egos are like cupcakes. You understand? So... You have to sort of like work the perimeter with these guys. 
you know, it's no one's telling you to diminish your intelligence, but this girl was out, going out of her way to show she was Harvard. You know what I'm saying? Or wherever she was. And so, this in this case, the 50-year-old woman, I said to her, you don't deserve the right to happiness? Don't you want some company in life? Forget about the Torah. I could cite you medical studies which prove without hesitation that you live longer if you're married. And she was buying into it. I told her, but you have to understand something. At your age, it's going to take me a little time to find the guy that's right for you. And oftentimes, when I deal with the 50, 60-year-olds' uh, ages, they purposely don't want someone not never married because there must be something wrong with them. So I said to them, it's going to take me a little time to get to know you and to be able to frame you out to, shut to, my, to people that I want to introduce you to. Uh, but you got to hang in there for the ride. I can't do it. No, if you say it's going to be difficult, not for me. She walked right out of the house. Sorry, I can't help you. And what if he says no? Well, get used to rejection. It's okay. If a buyer goes in to sell Kmart or Walmart, he gets every sale, it's life. Treat it as a business. It is what it is. You tried your best. Hishtadlis is in our hands. The results are in Hashem's hands. So let's move on with that. Emergency kit. Don't forget a flat tire. If you get a flat tire, don't forget you need a, uh, a replacement. Anticipate setbacks, which I just spoke about. Five. Powerade and energy bars. Emuna. You need Emuna. You need to hold on and be strong. And for me, Emuna means gratitude. That means that every day you get up, you get a, yourself a hold of a copy if you need it. Send me, I'll send you one of the thank you card. To say thank you every day for everything that's happening in your life, including the fact that I tell every single girl to do this. Thank you, Hashem. I'm single. I accept it is the best thing for me. Please, Hashem, grant me my soulmate as an act of mercy and not because you owe me anything. Every day say that. That is an incredible method to get Yeshua's. When you say thank you, you're acknowledging that Hashem runs your life, that whatever He does is for the best, and that you deserve nothing, and you're requesting a bakashas rachman, an act of mercy. And don't forget, obviously, when you go on a trip in life, a cell phone. The road to life should not be traveled alone. Let Hashem be your partner, your guide, and your protector. Davening. Can't say enough about that. Okay. How should I succeed in life? Let me read you a poem that Zelik Pliskin cites, the Rebbe Yahu Dessler, wrote, and he read this, and wrote this in 1964. And this is a great way to maintain your success as an individual, to remain fresh, alive, happy. And he wrote, Mikhtav Milyahu, Revelio Desle, was a genius. The past is only memories. The future is but only hopes. Focus on the present, for that is where your life truly is, and it consists only of tests. Don't we know about it? When you focus on on that, your life expands. Your challenge in life is to appreciate all that you have about the present and to always be grateful. Your life challenge is to become become a more kinder, more compassionate, more appreciative individual and to realize that life's tests are only for your benefit. I had the pleasure to tell a story by Jolie's house. I have to share this story again with them. This is an amazing story that I saw on a WhatsApp chat this week from a Rabbi Mogravi in Israel who said it over in Hebrew and it just blew me away. My wife shared it with my daughter. My daughter teaches Das Kiruv in NYU, Harvard, and Columbia. During the week, she walks in with 60 or 80 salads to girls who are in jeans. They're waiting breathlessly outside to help her carry it in. She gives a share on lunch break to these modern girls who would not dare ever miss praying and say to him all the time, 
But listen to this story about appreciation. A Hasidic guy in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn, my neck of the woods, is a safe driver. The guy's so safe that in a 30-mile zone, he'll drive 23, 24. One day he's in the car, and unfortunately, a lady who's not so normal, a little bit upstairs, unstable, darts right in front of his car. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to hurt her, so he swivels his wheel, and he, his car goes right into the sidewalk in front of him, are the most innocent husband and wife, all elderly couple, and he kills them on the spot. He's beside himself in pain and depression and sorrow. Come on in. Maybe we should make this room. Yeah. Come sit. Anyway. And his friends are trying to comfort him. It wasn't your fault. You had no other choice. Get out of the way. It's for the best. Just deal with it. And he can't be misnachim. He can't be consoled. Okay, they said, you know what? Let's write a letter to Rav Chaim Kenevsky. He said, Hador. Perhaps he has some insight on this. They wrote a letter. Rav Chaim got the letter. He got a chance to answer the letter. They waited. 30 days later, the, the letter comes back to America with, with Rav Chaim's response. They open the letter. Rav Chaim is not known to be the person who writes many, many words. One word, Amalek. What does that mean? So his friends told him, that means that Amalek, spirit of Amalek, got, in, got into you and is trying to make you depressed. Rav Chaim is trying to cheer you up. Okay, now we have a trial. Because he's charged for homicide, for killing this couple. He goes to court. The prosecutor gets up and rails against him. The judge says, where's the choker? Where's the investigator on the scene of the crime? The investigator gets up, gives testimony that day, that day he went and he inspected the area and the asphalt was full of oil. There was an oil spill. That means that it wasn't the driver's fault and he should be exonerated. Your Honor, I recommend you let him off the hook. The judge says, okay, case dismissed. The man leaves and he's relieved. He happened to have been looking to upgrade to an, a, a larger apartment, this Hasidish fellow, because it was tied to him. And it, was a, it takes a while to get a good apartment in Brooklyn. Finally, they get a phone call from a realtor that they found him a, 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 you know, a three-bedroom apartment. He walks in with his wife. He turns white as a ghost. He sees a picture of the old man and woman that he killed in the living room. He says, we're getting out of here. This is like, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies. What's going on here? He says, come on, come on, let's go. She says, at least let's take a tour of the apartment. Let's look at the brilliance of Reb he goes into the bedroom and he sees the guy when he was younger dressed in a picture in a, in a Nazi uniform. It says, Memories of Treblinka. His parents were killed in Treblinka and all his uncles and cousins. The Rabban Sha'alim did him the favor of wiping out the Malchamavis who had killed his parents. Sometimes we're in a challenge in life. We don't know what's going on, but the Rabban Sha'alim knows that whatever happens is for the best. We need to know and to be able to be determined that it's all good, it's there to build us. Keep climbing and keep elevating yourself. Keep connecting with Hashem. Keep doing good in the world. Keep doing acts of kindness. Keep gaining more wisdom. Because your entire life journey will be more elevated when you continue developing your sense of identity and self-image. Which means, as you are single right now, continue to grow, be involved, do chesed, be involved with organizations. Help people, help the neighbor grow, keep growing. That's the most important thing. And live in increments of 24 hours. Today is the greatest day of your life.
Because today is the only day that exists. All earlier days are part of your memory bank. All future days haven't occurred yet. So today just has to be the greatest day of your life. By the way, I want to share a story. What it means to do chesed. In Yushalayim, in the Gladstein family, they all comes back to take care of us. Ruki Gladstein was engaged. And now the father was a, you know, a rebbe. He wasn't making a lot of money, but it was time to go look at halls. So there's a hall, Sassan Vesimcha Hall, in Yerushalayim. Name has been changed. And they walk in, and they see that there's two halls. There's a smaller room, and there's a bigger room. So she says, Tati, Tati, I want the bigger room, but it's outside his budget. He really can't afford it. But it's his last daughter, and he wants to make her happy. So... He says, okay, I'll sign for the bigger room. Although, just add it to the bills. I have to buy the watch and everything else. Add it to the bills. Fine. As the day is proceeding closer to the wedding, they're getting ready. You know, There's a lot of action going on in the house. Mrs. Gladstein gets a phone call. Shalom, Ken, Mizeh, Givere Teber. Mashlomech, do I know you? Is it true that your daughter is getting married on the first of Cheshvan in Sesson Vesimchal? Ken, is it true that she has... The bigger room? Yes. I've got a little problem. See, My daughter's sitting in bed completely depressed because she's getting married the second, the, that night in this smaller room. And so what's the problem? Well, she, she feels that the room is too small for her and her friends won't be able to have fun and enjoy themselves in the dancing. Can I make a small little request of your daughter? She says, what is it? Would you be willing to trade places with us? Whoa! Ask Akala to give up her, 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 you know, the ballroom. That's like, wow! She says, I, I can't answer her, I can, for her, but give me 24 hours, I'll talk it over with Ruchi. So, she, you know, puts a meeting together, her and her husband, Ruchi. Ruchi, there's a girl out there who's depressed, who's getting married the same night you're getting married in the smaller room of the home. And she's going to have a miserable time. Do you have the kolach hanafshi to switch out with her? She says, Mommy, I want a couple of days to think about it. Two days later, she came back and she says, I'll do it. Humongous zchus. It gets better. The night before the wedding, Shalom Sharf, who's a big real estate guy in Yerushalayim, his son is getting married the, very same, the night of, the wedding, of those weddings. He says, he calls up the catering hall. I'd like to speak to the general manager. Ken, Mizeh, Benny, Menahel, the general manager. He says, this is Shalom Shaf. Shalom Aleichem, how can I help you? He says, you know, my, my son is getting tomorrow, married tomorrow night at the Citadel. I have a, a, a minhag by me. Whenever my, one of my children gets married, I give them a beautiful grand wedding. And then I pay for someone else's wedding. So who do you have on the schedule for tomorrow night, Mr. Menahel? Well, I have someone in the big room and someone in the small room. I'll take the small room, because they probably could use my help. The next night, there, there's Ruchi taking pictures with the photographer. Everything's going okay. And then the Menahel steps up to Rabbi Gladys and he says, Can I speak with you? He says, What's, Is everything okay? Did the check bounce or anything? What's going on? He goes, I just want to know, no need for a check. Here's your check. I'm ripping it up. The whole thing's on the house. Midos! Midos. She had impeccable Midos. Hashem paid her back in kind. Let's work on that chesed. So again, today is the greatest day of our life. And so focus on those increments of 24 hours.
Again, I want to tell you something that I was sharing with Rob Scheinbein this morning. Zalik Briskin writes, in a class that he was giving setting goals, someone asked him, what do you consider the chief challenge people face when they focus on their goals? And here's a great response. The common challenge is that people refuse to allow themselves to be happy until they get and hit the goal. But what if that journey is one, two, or three, or four years? The key is to enjoy every day of the journey. Right? You should walk around happy today and tomorrow. Not when I'll finally get married, I'll finally hit happiness. It doesn't work that way. The challenge in life is to be happy and enjoy every day of the journey. And exhibit that. That's the key. Okay. Let's get into the toolbox department. Okay, again, I want to talk about Simcha. One, for the next 30 days, I want everyone here to practice this and verbalize this every day. Nine comments. I think appreciatively and gratefully to Hashem. Two, I speak and act joyfully. Oftentimes I get people sitting in front of me who are stone-faced. I say, go into your bedroom, close the door, look at that mirror and smile 50 times and give me three sets. It's important. You need to exude warmth. People like that. Joy. A smile. It means a lot. You don't know who's staring at you at the supermarket checkout line. You don't know. You have to look all the time put together. I assume that there's a good to everything in life. Even though I may not have the answer. Four, I strive for meaningful goals. Five, I see myself being the way I wish to be. Visualize yourself as a kala. Think it and it'll be it. Six, I focus on solutions. I don't just sit there and hop away at the problems. Seven, I let challenges develop my character. So true, which is what we spoke about just now. Eight, I consistently can access positive states. There's a wonderful Devar Torah told about what happened to Yosef when he interpreted the dreams that we say over to Achasan and Kala and Sheva Brachas. When Yosef said to Paro, there'll be seven good years and seven not so good years. So stuff away for the bad years. What we say to you is, whenever you're not feeling good, go into your archive of all your good memories and then bring them back up to the monitor. And live off those, and nourish yourself off those good memories. So you can maintain a good attitude. Nine, I smile and I wave to mirrors. Because they always smile and wave back to me. <laughs> Research has proven without doubt that smiling to yourself in the mirror creates positive chemicals in your body. Which allows you to be happy. Number one, Hashem is in charge. It's very important to remember that. The famous story that's told about the person who went up to heaven and said, God, you were always with me. I'm deeply grateful because I always saw two footprints in the sand. How come that times there was only one footprint in the sand? And Hashem smiled and said, because those were the times when I was carrying you. Hashem is always there carrying us. So, He's always there, as we said with the cell phone. Two, let's get educated. We need a strategy. In order to learn how to drive a car, you need to take Driver's head. You need to learn how to date and date effectively. We have the answers in Yiddishkeit, as I'm about to tell you. We don't have to turn to the outside world. It's all there. Rafaim Waxman tells a beautiful story of 
a Ben Torah who's getting married in Mansi. Rafraim Raksmi is a Gadol Hador from Mansi. He developed a, a case of bad acne two weeks before his wedding. The mom went, you know, crazy. What are we going to do? So she did some homework. She said, we're going to get you to the top cosmetic dermatologist in New York on the Upper East Side. He made an, she made an appointment for him. That day he went in. It was a Ben Torah. He brought a little Gemara with him. He's learning. When a female P-O-R-N star walks in that everyone knew. And he said, wow, did you see who's here? Wow, model of depravity. And everyone's like, you know, admiring her to no end when they finally like, did this to him. Did you see who's here? I have no clue who she's here. I don't know who she is. The word got back to the doctor's assistants that there's some greenhorn Jew in the lobby who doesn't know who this famous star is. And that got back to the secular Jewish doctor in the back, who couldn't wait to have his moment just to jab him when he got him as a patient in one of the treatment rooms. So finally he has his turn. He says, I hear you're getting married in two weeks. Yeah, you're from those Orthodox Jews, right? Probably all set up. Let me tell you how to get married. You guys need a lesson. He wasn't an idiot to spend Torah. He says, you know what? Before you give me your whole spiel, how many times are you married? So the doctor says five. He says, keep your, keep your advice. I don't need it. Well, we have a Torah. It teaches us how to, how to live happily ever after. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about determination. Are you interested in finding a better job, a shidduch, a house, ways to make more money? This is beautiful content that comes from a rabbi called Rabbi Moshe Goldberger, who was one of my... We were both Tamidim, Rabbi Vigda Miller, and uh, he wrote many, many svarim. I helped him write, write a sefer once on, on... I was an orthopedist, so on, on feet and bones, etc., but beautiful material. Do you want to have a happier marriage? Do you want to pray with more kavana? To learn new skills? To be healthier? To give more tzedakah? The secret lies in applying the teachings of our rabbis. The path that you want to go is the path that they will lead you on. If it's something that you want in life and you're determined, you can achieve it. Rabbi writes in Ali Shur, you need that key magic word, ratzon, desire. As a matter of fact, I'll share a secret with you. I talk to Hashem every day in my walk to shul, give me ratzon to continue to help Klal Yisrael. Give me energy. Give me enthusiasm. Allow me to enjoy my work. You think this is easy? I love it. But it means that you really have to care for the cloud. So ask Hashem to give you that desire to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. Give me desire to be determined to get married. Give me desire to do well in school or in Turo or whatever it is you are, wherever you are. Give me desire. Hashem will give you whatever you want if you just but open your mouth. Open your mouth, Hashem says, and I'll fill it. Give me desire. One need not be a genius to succeed, or lucky. You may be poor, or uneducated, old or young. The principle applies to anyone at any time. Make the choice to be determined, and you'll be on the road to greatness. Not everyone has it so wow. And don't think that tzaddikim just are born like that. And they also have their struggles all the time. I heard a phenomenal story about Rav Yosef. I had no idea. He had a broken engagement. His son was on, uh, was on, uh, who's the chief rabbi now, was on with Zamir Kohn, who has Hidabrut, and he told a phenomenal story. 
The rabbi was sitting and learning, and he was engaged. His kala came into the room, and she said, What do you think if we turn out we go to the movies? A very innocent request. He says, What goes on over there? Tarzan jumping from tree to tree. And he innocently says, you know, here's a man whose every second of life was accounted for. I have things to do. And she like wailed on him. What do you mean? And she just marched right out of the room. Two days later, she summons him to a Din Torah. He misled her. She was expecting a life of movies and good times or whatever. Anyway, there's a Din Torah. And the rabbi doesn't want an embarrassment to take place. So the rabbi says to the Av Din, You know what? I am now a student in Yeshiva Purat Yosef, which is right there next to the Kosel. I'll ask the Rosh Yeshiva of Zaratiyah if I can put back this farm in the shanks. And whatever money I get, she can have. It's fine. They did the deal. She would get that salary. Telescope now to 2012, when the rabbi is 92 years old. And it's a year before he passes away. And there's a knock on the door by his apartment, the Rehovah Kavlan in Harnof. And the Gabbai Tzvi answers the door, and the little old lady's there. And he says, Mize, and she tells him, Tagid la Rav, hashidu harishon shelopo. Tell him, his first shidduch is here to talk to him. Okay, let her in. So she comes in, she bemoans her fate, her life didn't work out the way she wanted it to work out, she never had the chance to get married, her matzav kalkala al-panim, her financial situation is really bad, it's not really going for her. And she needs help. The rabbi being who he is and the position that he is, he's, rather, he's out of shas. He says to Tzvi, take care of her, get her whatever she needs, set her up in an apartment, make sure she has all the money that she needs and all appliances. And it seems like it's okay. But I want to show you how Hashem runs our life to exact precision. She gets ready to go when she all of a sudden turns around, does a 180, and she now hits him with a million dollar line. She says to him, Tada la rishon l'tzion. She says, to the chief rabbi, Yesh lecha mazal. He says to her, Lama? After you broke the shirach, I went to the doctor, to have routine blood tests. They found I could never have kids. Had you married me, today you'd have zero children. He ended up having 11. So know that Hashem runs our life. Chamavadja was determined, he was principled, he knew what he needed in life. He knew what he needed in a partner. He wasn't afraid to let go and change. We're going to talk a little bit about that later. Change. And Baruch Hashem, with that, that determination, he made the necessary move. Give me a second. Okay. I want to find something. Here we go. Very apropos to this audience. There is no home today that exists that in some way has not been affected by this growing epidemic of the Shidduch crisis. With that in mind, let's talk about one of the most frightening six-letter words in the English language. It is C-H-A-N-G-E, change. Do you feel the pain? Are you frightened? Change. It's terrifying. It's alarming. Change? Why should I change? 
What did I do to have to change? What have I done wrong? Maybe the change will be for the worse. What am I supposed to do? Can't I just try again? Give me one more chance. And yes, we humans are creatures of habit. Here we go. This is where I buy my fish. This is my fish store. But why not try another store? No, 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 no. I'm good. Don't worry about me. This is when I wake up. This is how I drive. This is just the way I do it. This is the vote that I say at the table for this Parsha every year. This is the amount of stucca that I give. And you know what? That's consistency. And it's beautiful. But what happens if it's not working? If it's not working, maybe we're Meshubah to try to fix it? What do you do then? Let's say you're not being read Shaduchim. And we know people like that. Or always being read the wrong ones. People don't share the same goals, the same values. What do you do then? Isn't there a time, difficult as it is, that we have to look at ourselves and look at our children, or look at our grandchildren and say, you know what, this is not working. There's a time that I have to ask that question. We're not talking about placing the blame. Let's take an example from this week's parsha, which just passed. Eliezer. Eliezer has concluded his pursuit. He witnesses enough miracles of chesed that he certainly found the one, quote-unquote. Right? And as the agreement is about to be consummated with Lavan, he says the following, If you want to do kindness and truth with my master of Ram, tell me. Lo, here's the magic line, Hagiduli. But if not, you don't do the deal. The Efne El Yamino small. I'm ready to go right or left. Hold on. This is the same Eliezer who just said before, Hashem Darki. My trip has been a success. Everything that I asked for, I got. But he tells Love and Basul, I'm ready to walk. Raf Palm has an amazing comment on this. The Hashkacha cannot have been more clear. He was fully prepared to seek elsewhere if it doesn't work out. The flexibility was extraordinary. I'm ready to walk if I have to. Even though I requested that the girl should be able to, you know, give me water to drink and the camels. And we're talking about 300 gallons or 1,000 gallons, whichever one you want to go with. And he got everything he made a request of. And still, he was ready to walk. This is relevant to us because we have to make changes sometimes in attitude or action. Here are some examples. I only want a tall boy. I need a rich girl. I don't like blondes. Not for me. I will never de- date someone who has a beard or doesn't have one. Right? I'll never marry a boy with an up hat or a down hat. I'll only go out with a professional. That's a, that's a beauty. I hear that one all the time. Right? Maybe he's making a very good living and he owns a business. And so as a result, we box ourselves in. Or, I can never marry a Baal Tshuva. But sometimes, it's a good combination. Sometimes it can be a very good combination. I know in my community, in the Syrian community, there are so many B'nai Torah today who went to co-ed high schools that made it Lev Aaron, Mikdash Melech, Mir or Brisk, six years, and that today are incredible B'nai Torah. Writing Sephardim. Take a look at the whole picture. This whole group today wouldn't even think of looking, the girls who end up with these, with these guys, wouldn't think of marrying anybody else who doesn't learn. So we have to take a look at the whole picture. Before, say, rejection, 
make sure you can look into the person in greater detail. A question I may ask you. What would have happened if Boaz took that approach to Rus? What would King, da- King David be today? We wouldn't even have him. So we have to be open-minded. What? You're writing me this guy? He has a broken engagement. So what? He made a mistake. Look into it. Now I'm not saying run, run into it barrel ahead, but investigate. It could be proper. So we have to redesign our mode of conduct a little bit. We have to think outside the box. And what does that mean? Maybe I need to learn to become a little bit more open on dates. I'm not exposing my vulnerability enough. Or maybe a little less open. I'm talking too much. Maybe you need to learn how to ask more questions. Perhaps you're too busy trying to impress. Instead of finding out more about the person you're considering, maybe you want to change, the calls for a change in the dating strategy. All things that you could do. And maybe I'm not networking enough. All things that we can look into it and to try to change. Can we break the ice for the joke a little bit? Okay. Should I settle? Here's a girl at age 22. Let's hear her list. List of demands. Number one, handsome. Number two, charming. Number three, financially successful. Number four, a caring listener. Number five, witty. Number six, he's got to be in good shape. Number seven, dresses in style. Eight, appreciates the finer things in life. Nine, full of thoughtful surprises. And ten, a romantic. Well, our 22-year-old is just a little bit too picky. She's 32 now. Let's hear her revised list. Number one, nice-looking, hair preferred. (laughs) Two, opens the car door and holds the chair. Number three, has enough money for a nice dinner. Four, listens more than he talks. Five, laughs at my jokes. Six, carries bags of groceries with ease. Seven, owns at least one tie. Eight, appreciates a good home-cooked meal. Nine, remembers birthdays and anniversaries. And ten, is attentive. Well, our 32-year-old is still a little too picky. She's now 42. Let's hear her list. One, not too ugly, bald, definitely okay. Two, doesn't drive off until I'm in the car. Number three, works steady, splurges on dinner occasionally. Four, he nods his head when I'm talking. Five, usually remembers the punchline of my jokes. Six, is in good enough shape to rearrange the furniture. Seven, wears a shirt that covers his stomach. Eight, knows not to buy champagne screw-top lids. Nine, remembers to put the toilet seat down. And ten, shaves on most weekends. Well, she's still too picky. And now, by the way, it's sad, but I have that age group in a, in a, in a, sometimes in abundance. Revised list, age 52 of this woman. Number one, he looks presentable. Number two, he doesn't burp or belch in public. Number three, doesn't borrow money too often. Number four, doesn't nod off to sleep when I'm venting. Five, he doesn't retell the same joke too many times. Six, is in good enough shape to get off the couch on weekends. Seven, usually wears matching socks and fresh underwear. Eight, appreciates a good TV dinner. Nine, remembers my name on occasion. And ten, shaves on some weekends. Revised list, she's still not married, 62. One, he does not scare off children. 
Two, he remembers where the bathroom is. Three, he doesn't require money for upkeep. Four, he only snores lightly when I'm asleep. Five, he remembers why he's laughing. Six, is in good enough shape to stand up by himself. Seven, remembers how to get dressed himself. Eight, likes soft foods. Nine, remembers where he left his teeth. Ten, remembers that it's the weekend. Revised list, she's age 72. There's only one thing on the list, that Baruch Hashem, should be breathing. <laughs> Examine your expectations, everyone. Are they unrealistic? You may someone want someone great looking, but are you a top ten yourself? Or maybe despite your fabulous looks, you're destined for someone who's okay looking, but has great personality. You may want someone exceptionally bright, but perhaps some people don't find you stimulating enough. Or perhaps even though you're an intellectual, you're destined for someone who has good normal intelligence, but has exceptional personality. Open your horizons. Don't box yourself in. Deciding that you know what you're looking for and what you need. This is the machala of the magifa of, of the century. When I show someone a picture and a profile, not my look. How do you know what your look is? I didn't know my, my wife would be, I was a blind date. I went to my cousin's wedding, from wedding. my friend got married, would you like to go out with her best friend? Sure, it sounds good. I trust you. And we whammo. I found what, you, what I wanted, I connected with my wife, because my Rebbe's Torah, Rick the Miller, resonated with her. And then my, my soul came alive. I was physically attracted to her. But the, the glue was the emotional intimacy. The emotional intimacy is we were able to talk to each other about life, about our aspirations, about our dreams, about our goals. I grew up in a home of four TVs. She had three. I said, I don't want one. You don't want one either? Yeah, good. It's, going, it's looking real good. You know what I'm saying? We built up on our common values. And we took it from there. So examine your expectations. Are you afraid of the responsibilities of marriage? Are you worried that you may not be a good spouse? Are you unable to make a commitment? That's a big one. Are you afraid to be tied down? Are you afraid to give up your independence? Are you worried that you'll no longer be in control of your life? Not such a problem with girls in the low 20s, but for sure becomes an issue when I deal with girls in the 30s and 40s. They got comfortable, they got used to their life, they have their money, they're doing well. But Hashem, a lot of girls are doing very well today. You know, Manus Friedman, he's a great mind. He had a cover story in Tuba Av for the Ami magazine this summer. And he talked about this wonderful concept of the Mashpia Mechabel. The man has to be the Mashpia, the woman has to be the Mechabel. The man must be the man, the giver of warmth, of affection, and everything. And the, and the woman is the Mechabel. So he said, a Bakr came up to him and said, I'm going out with this girl, but it's just not going. And, uh, and she's, you know, doing well. So the rabbi said, I know, right? She's making money. She's got a good career. She basically advises you where you're going to dates. She doesn't need you. She's the mashpia. Don't become the mashpia. Let the guy be that. So she doesn't need you. So, I'll tell you right now. He guessed it right away in five minutes. Or the opposite. From the, from, from the girl's perspective. A, girl walk, a woman walks up to him and she says to him, It's schlepping out for three and a half years. And I'm done with this guy. He's 99% of what I want, but 1% is just not. 
I'm not closing with this fellow. So he says to well, what's the 1%? Oh, I'm embarrassed to tell you. Well, I can't help you if you don't tell me. So he, she says to him, okay, he's not a giver. He doesn't play the role of a man. Dear lady, he says to her, that's not the 1%, that's the 99%. The rest is the 1%. He's so true on that. You know, I told the story of a couple that I'm helping now. Where Same story. She's divorced with two kids. And uh, he's divorced with two. And it's five months. We don't need five months in our community to get it. We're Jews. We're Orthodox Jews. We date cerebrally. We come in with an agenda. We know what questions we want to ask. We basically have an idea. And we try to look for the connection. But it was this same violation of Mashpia Mechabel. I said to her, okay, let me talk to him. I talked to him, and he's griping about she doesn't nurture me. She doesn't, you know, um, fill, my, fill me with warmth and support. I said, Mendy, you got it all wrong. That's your job for her, not for her to you. And she had, this past week, Murphy's Law. She gets into her car. There's a flat tire. The kids are screaming in the back. She's got to get them to yeshiva. She calls Mendy, I need help. He walks, he comes over. Instead of grabbing the jack and helping her, he's now like, you know, slamming her. You know, you're never there for me. You're not there for me. You don't, you don't. I said, what are you nuts? The woman was in crisis. That she's already on the dating apps as of yesterday. It's over. Five months of wasting time with something like that. Unfortunately, she's a good person. And she met well. But had she had a clear idea of this concept and what she needs in a man, she would have just... Without tooting my own horn, I would have had her out of this in three dates. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? But um, people waste time because there isn't a clear strategy. Can a person change? You can't change the other person. You can only change yourself and your reactions to life. So very important, don't think you're going to get into a situation where you're going to change anybody. Because that's not going to happen. They have to want to change. Emotional intimacy, I spoke about a little bit. It's a deep sense of friendship. When you're dating, look for a deep sense of friendship and a connectivity where you don't pretend you are yourselves. You're sharing ideas, you're sharing goals, you're sharing your visions. You look forward to being with each other. You're comfortable around each other. You do things to make the other person happy. You want to be the person that the other person can come to for support. You're listening? Pay attention to this. This is very important. Very. This is Kodesh Kodashim. It's a state of being that you must develop in order to have a close marriage. And it doesn't come in two dates. It takes eight, nine, twelve dates. It's, dep- it's built on time spent together. Most couples in our society need a minimum of ten to twelve dates to get there. Don't rush. Very important. Don't rush. During this time, you're seeing different facets of each other's personality and ways of relating. So the obvious question, how do I build emotional intimacy? If that's the glue of a great marriage, so I'll give you some pointers. Vary what you do on a date. Change the dates up. One date is a romantic uh, dinner. One date is a walk in the park. One date is night painting. One date is Dave and Buster's or an indoor arcade. Another date is sightseeing or day date or a museum if that's your thing. Get to see the person from a different vantage point. Sometimes they don't open up in one or two settings, and then it, the floodgates open. So change the vantage. Sometimes it's a, a boating trip, or sometimes it's a nature walk. Have fun together. It's not just about an FBI dozier. Okay, 
What do you do? Where are you from? Have fun. It's important. Don't let it become mechanical. Make each day purposeful. Try to find out something about him that you don't know about him from the previous dates. Okay, some people may disagree with me, but after the shotgun is dropped, five or six dates, talk on the phone. Yes. Get the feeling of what it's like to be a future husband and wife. I'll sometimes see girls who are very like, you know, hands off on that. They've been going out 10, 11 times, the Shatran's still involved. Keep in mind, there is no greater supporter of the Shatran system than me. I love the system because of the Shatran, they know what they're doing. The Shatran's ability to be a great traffic manager, to solve issues, oftentimes direct dating, they're embarrassed to talk to each other or to tell the other person that there's something there. And they just go their merry way. A shatchan, a skilled one, could have solved it. Just communicate to the other side. Let's make some adapt a change or two. And we're good. So, but once the shatchan is dropped, time to now see how you can communicate as a future husband and wife. And I say to them, I know why it's not happening. When you've gone out nine or ten dates, you're not feeling it because you, you need to talk, start talking on the phone. Oftentimes, that does the trick. It breaks the ice. And now they're talking. Because you have to feel out what it's going to be like when you finally are married. So that's a good one. And as you get on into, you're now closing in to God willing engagement, acts of thoughtfulness, kindness, and concern for each other. Simple things like, I saw a great Devar Torah, and I know you like this, Rav. I saved it for you. Bacon cookies, a, small, a, so, a soft drink that he likes. That's going to strengthen that emotional connection. You, at this point, you've become comfortable with each other. You know his sense of humor. He knows your sense of humor. You look to doing nice things for each other. In the past with other people, if there was a disagreement, you went your merry way. With this one, you look for solutions. You want to keep it alive. And obviously, the last but not least are for respect. Well, let me back up and give you what that, what that represents. There is a system called the pair system. If you're going out with someone to determine if he is the right one for you. And I'll get into it a little bit more later if I have some time. P-A-I-R. Physical attraction. Not infatuation. Physical attraction. Sometimes it could take time to develop. Three, four, five dates. Okay. Two, A. Admiration. Do I look up to him? That's key. If you don't look up to him, you got serious problems. Acceptance. No one is perfect. And there are things that are wrong with every single one of us. Can I live with his chisroinus? And that's for you to decide based on your top ten list. If the positive outweighs the negative, and the negative isn't something that gets under your skin, it's good. Affection. Do we connect? And do we feel an emotional connection for each other? This word, I'm in love, is ridiculous. It's a misused term from Western society. We'd like to phrase it in the film world. Are we close friends? Can I see myself building a home with him? Then we move on to emotional intimacy, which is what I spoke about before. There's this, this blending together. There's no pretending. There's trusting. And then lastly, respect. Absolutely no place for a boy who treats you with disrespect. <coughs> Who chas talks negatively to you, or cynically to you, or sarcastically to you. That's a magefa. Run away from him like the plague. No violations of that. I can skip a bunch of these things because I've already spoken about that. But I do want to get into some of the warning signs for girls.
Does he push your boundaries or limits? Is he very moody? Be careful for that. Does he have mood swings? Happy one day, down the next, like a yo-yo. Does he tell you or try to dictate to you who your friend should be? Does he criticize the way you dress? These are all red flags. Be careful. How does he react in situations of frustration? Such as you get to the restaurant and you have to wait 20 minutes for the table. Does he huff and puff and walk back and forth? How does he act in traffic jams? Does he speak to you in a disrespectful or hurtful way? Does he take responsibility for his actions? That's maturity. Does he blame everyone else? There was a case I had this week. After they got married, there was a nightmare to begin with. He's calling his future brother-in-law not to marry into the family. From guy. Be on the lookout. Is he very jealous and possessive? Does he check your calls? Does he look into your cell phone? That's not his business. He's now violating boundaries. Do you often find yourself alienated from friends and family since you've been dating him? Because they're trying to tell you, be on the lookout, and you're not paying attention. Continue. Look out for a boy who's argumentative. Negative, pessimistic outlook. I was interviewed by headliners, which is a big, big show. It's actually, I saw it, my interview was last night. It's a combination with Yitzhak Breidowitz. Go on, it's very good. It was called Broken Engagements. They had a very big thing on it this week. It's on Yeshiva World. Go on, I saw it last night. They said to me, Dr. Cohen, if there's one thing that you look for in a client or their significant person that they're dating, what is it? I said, that's a no-brainer. I want someone who has an optimistic zest for life, whether it's my client or it's the person that they're dating. Because if you're going out with someone who's depressed and who's down, or who's not happy, you have one long, ugly journey. Critical. Watch out for a person who has few friendships, who's a loner. Now, I'm not dismissing him outright, but I want to know why. The guy doesn't have a chevra. At least give me an answer. Sarcastic humor. I'll give you a beauty. This is unbelievable. A OT, an occupational therapist from girl, from Brooklyn, is dating a guy for four months, and she comes to me in the summer. It's not going. The boy happened to have moved from this country down to my neck of the woods, and it was going okay, but talk about sense of humor, she said to me, is it appropriate for a boy to make fun and make jokes of the Holocaust? So what? What does that mean? We as a, as a nation didn't suffer enough that he finds jokes at Auschwitz funny? What a sicko. So we called his Rav. I said, are you aware that he does this and this? He said, I've never heard of this. And now she tells me more. On his butt of jokes are people who have cancer. I said, what a sick human being. What are you going out with him for? Three days later, it was over. Look what people can just, you know, hide under the rug. Is that acceptable? Temper outbursts, such as hitting walls, slamming doors. I was in Chicago last week. 
for the Shabbos project. A guy walks up to me. I have a problem. I like to hit walls and throw glasses at things. I said, he says to me, what should I work on? <laughs> so I said, I think, how do I get rid of the problem? I said, buy yourself a book called The Garden of Imuna and start to actualize the concept that Hashem runs the world. People are angry, are actually saying, God, I don't like the way you're running my life. And I'm upset. I'm the boss. You need a huge tutorial in how Hashem runs the world. If you got a parking ticket, Hashem gave you the parking ticket. If you failed the test, Hashem was responsible for that. You need to change your whole modus operandi of how you behave as a Jew. Okay. Anything I need to tell you here? No, we did all that. Oh yeah, there's a few more. Signs of potential problems. Very important. Take notes. Does he speak condescendingly of his rebellion, friends, family? Especially, watch out how he talks about his parents. Very important. Is his behavior off-putting or unrefined? Rudeness. How does he treat his brother and sister? I'm trying to remember a case that I had this week. Oh, yes. Where a girl told me that she uh, went to visit the other side and he was very disrespectful to his brothers and sisters, constantly making fun of them. Very big red, red flag. And he was like shushing his parents. With, you know, prevention is worth a pound You know, of, of having to... God forbid, make a mistake, so listen up, it's important. Arrogance and a sense of entitlement, you know, he beats his chest. I did this, I did that. Blaming others for his problems instead of taking responsibility. Always having to be right. We covered that, we covered this. Aha, very important. Now, I'm just going to hit on a few key things, and we can basically wrap things up. Reducing baggage. If there's something that's going on with you that you need to get help with, and it could be a trauma, a past episode that was an emotionally disturbing event, something that took place in your life, get the help that you need now. Don't think for a second you're going to telescope a problem into marriage and it's going to solve it. Marriage will only magnify the problem and make it worse. If you have a self-esteem issue, work on it now. It's something that a lot of girls have. More than need to be. Work on your confidence. Be busy at what you enjoy doing. If you're a great baker, bake. If you like art, bake art. Do whatever it is you like and what you enjoy. Build your self-esteem. Feel confidence. You shouldn't have to think and need that my husband is going to build me. That's a bonus. You don't need an external source to make you feel good. Make yourself whole. That's very important. Number two. What do people who are close to you have to say about the person you are dating? It's important to have your triad, your parents and a rav. I always, I mean, to make a joke, Cindy says, you have, I tell the girls, you have me and your mother, that's it. Or a person, your rav, or rabbitson, whatever it may be. But, if you're hearing comments that are provoking, disturbing statements, you have to check into it. So, it's very important. Again, I can't emphasize enough don't get carried away with the search for perfection. There's no such thing. And a cute little joke, but that 
really sends the message home. Grandma was sitting in front of the ocean playing with little Shimmy, her grandson, who had his Yankee cap on, when suddenly a huge gull and a wave came and swallowed Shimmy up. Shimmy was now gone. Grandma's hysterical. Hashem, Hashem, where's Shimmy? Hashem, Hashem, please bring Shimmy back. A miracle took place, and Shimmy came spitting right out of the water. Grandma says, thank you, Hashem, but what happened to his Yankee cap? So don't expect everything. We're not going to get everything. And again, when it comes to the top 10 list, some of the things we're looking for are capable, authentic, communicative, decisive, can make a decision, good under stress, family is important to him, whether he wants one or he's good to his family, enthusiastic, has goals for the future, helpful, happy-go-lucky, we said, uh, outgoing, if that's important to you, humble, humility, positive outlook, Yerushamayim. But what's not important is rich, worldly, tall, classy, stylish. No, not for us. Now, network, how-tos. I have to give you that one. Compilers, people that are up to date that know what you're doing. Approach the people in your network. This may feel awkward at first, but it'll get easier over time. I have a special favor to ask of you. My daughter is dating. My granddaughter is dating. Or if it's a person who's older single, I'm dating. And prepare your 30-second elevator pitch of who you are, who they are, their background, the schools that they went to, and the general profile of their personality. Talk to everyone who may be helpful. Give them your information. And they can be touch with, in touch with you with the future. And Shalha Karasatov, to anyone who suggests a shidduch idea tell you about some of the mistakes people are making. A marriage can fail because people are not judging a prospective marriage partner with objectivity. We have biases. We want a certain look, a certain family, whatever it may be, and we build those biases into our brains. Ask yourself, is the attraction that I have towards the person built on an objective appraisal of, their, of his qualities, or am I projecting virtues where there are none and I'm ignoring disturbing character? which happens. Don't close your eyes unwilling to see what you don't want to see because you hope it'll go away. If you're looking for someone's cultured and refined, don't sell for someone narrow-minded. Don't tolerate a materialistic personality if you're ruchnias, if you're spiritual. If you want a warm, happy, and accepting husband, don't sell for a guy who's depressed, self-centered, or judgmental. Search for a boy who's going to be your friend, someone you can talk to or you can confide in, someone who listens who tries to understand you admire with a healthy self-esteem. Someone who can mind his boundaries. So I'll close with a few last tips. Let go if you work a lot or study a lot. Let go of some hours at work or whatever it is that's keeping you so busy. People tell us all the time they want to get married, but they're not making dating a top priority. It's got to be a priority, a very big one. Make sure, especially for the older girls out there, making marriage a priority, make, taking the time. Let go of thinking that you're in this alone. You can always talk to someone, whether it's a mentor or a rav. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't blame yourself that you're not engaged yet. Be happy. Be grateful. Let go of ingratitude. The secret to happiness is appreciating everything we have in our life. Let go of thinking that dating is a quick, smooth process. Because it's not. It's going to be a bit of a Parsha, but with determination as we spoke today, 
you can make it. Now, my 49 blessings to all of you. May you answer the door when opportunity knocks. May you love life. May you soon gain something you've always wanted. May you know when to hold on and not be afraid when it's time to let go. May inspiration strike you at just the right moment. May you be satisfied with being perfectly imperfect. May you explore new options and open yourself to new possibilities. May the challenges you face strengthen you and your inner core. May your false beliefs evaporate and may you place them with words of mitzias, of reality. May you have time in your week to visit someone in need. May you wear your smile no matter how difficult today seems. May your mind be filled with great ideas. May you let go of something you no longer need. May you overcome what is holding you back. May your failures lead to your success. That was my high school quote. Success is failure turned inside out. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you mustn't quit. I remember it like clockwork <laughs> when I was at Shiva University. May you invite someone new into your world. May you increase your confidence and boost your self-esteem. May you laugh easily and often. May you have the strength to put forth enough effort to get what you want in life. May you be blessed with an abundance of love. May you manifest your future by living as if it is already your reality. We spoke about that today. May you receive encouraging words that elevate you. May you be motivated to set and reach new goals. May your life be infused with meaning and purpose. May you have strength, courage, and wisdom to do the right thing at the right time. May you be free of financial burdens. Amen. May you hear what others say, and more importantly, understand what they mean. May you re redirect angry energy and use it as a fuel towards something positive. May you see clearly what you are meant to see and turn away from things that are not meant for your eyes. May you know the right questions to ask, and may you be open to receiving the answers. Humble. May your words, actions, and or presence be, bring comfort to someone who is struggling. May your eyes be wide open, and may you clearly see the messages that Hashem is sending you. May you see clearly the obstacles that are before you, and may you steer clear of any challenges. May you strengthen yourself, both body and soul. May you carry your physical and spiritual loads gracefully. May you find something wonderful to do that inspires you and connects you to great people. I have found that so much in Toronto. Great people. May many singles find their soulmate and be satisfied with their choice. May those in need of healing recover completely mind, body, and soul. May your senses be awakened by a pleasing surprise. May you find the perfect place to call home. May you visit exceptional places. May you be satisfied in being uniquely you and happy with yourself. May the efforts you make yield the results you desire. May you have a good day today and a better tomorrow. May you find your purpose in the world and pursue it with passion. May you harness the wonderful power within you. May you have a huge breakthrough. And let us all say amen. amen. Thank you for giving me the time to come today. Of course, many things I can do more on a personal level. So if you need me, reach out to me. And I'll be delighted to help. It's 305-206-1916. It was an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you again to Julie and uh, Yaakov Kaplan, to Goldie Howard, to the Toronto Shiloh Initiative. It is my hope and fervent wish that I could dance at all your weddings. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.